What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. So uh, welcome, everybody, to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom show. I have Max Schuler. <laughs> yeah. I told you a hard time with it. So uh, welcome, Max. Max is Max done a lot, man. Max, Max is the founder of Sales Hacker. In addition to that, he's also the VP of, at Outreach. And on top of it, he's written three books. Angel invested in over 50 companies. Is it, did I miss anything else? Is that, is that it, man? Is that all you got? Or what else? Yeah, we got? I'm sure there's, there's more. I don't know. It sounds good. It's good. <laughs> so anyways, man, yeah, no, really cool background that you have just touched on a lot of different areas. And so um, super excited to have you on, man. And so why don't you, I mean, cause like that gives folks somewhat of an idea on just kind of what you're into, but you've had a really interesting journey I know you started at in the entrepreneurial journey a while back and have kind of evolved. You're doing some really interesting things now. So can you just give everybody kind of your superhero origin story in terms of how you got to this point? Yeah. I mean, depends how far back you want to go. I could start <laughs> selling uh, Halloween candy on the school bus and getting the principal calling my house and telling my dad that it's frowned upon. Um, or, cool. you know, give give yeah. some of that, man. I want to hear that. I want to hear like little, little Max yeah. running around, you know? That's- that's back in like eighth grade where, you know, you used to go trick or treating, fill up the little bag and or I think I had like a pumpkin, like a, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. My kids still have those, the plastic yeah. one. Yeah. And then I put then my dad would put it on the top of the refrigerator and I'd get like one piece of candy a day. And, uh, they didn't know that I could climb up on the counter and grab all the candy if I wanted to. And then I'd shove it in my backpack and then like kids would go to school with a little bit of money for school supplies and I'd end up selling them candy on the bus so instead of them getting pencils and pencil sharpeners and erasers and, you know, binders and index cards, they were getting skittles and, uh, you know, mini Twix or whatever it is. And uh, <laughs> I was making some money. So it's just funny. Uh, uh, enterprising young, uh, so like, I don't know, somewhere third, fourth, fifth grade or something like that. But that's where the entrepreneurial journey uh, started. And then uh, when I was in college, I was actually an architecture major. I just like to build stuff. Really was interested in um, building houses, building buildings. I was, it was, I, I didn't know if I was going to do residential, commercial, or whatnot. Um, it was really early on, and then the housing market crashed. Uh, ended up pivoting uh, to a what was called a Bachelor of Interdisciplinary Studies. We called it BIS. It also stood for Barely in School. Because uh, it was just such a breeze of a program at Arizona State, and uh, and that's where I started this this kind of bike share program, called it Rack and Ride, and we wanted to build one of the first bike share programs uh, in the United States. So they had them in Europe at the time. They had them in Barcelona and uh, London and Paris, um, but we wanted to put one at Arizona State. Um, won a business plan competition, got a grant from the university, and. Uh, got a contract signed with the university for exclusive rights to commercial bike sharing, but that failed. Nobody was giving two 22 year olds a couple million dollars to do bike racks and computers in uh, 2009, right after a recession. So ended up going uh, from there to doing another company, another startup uh, called last call social, which was doing um, kind of a, what was it? Uh, 
social media campaign management for small businesses, bars, restaurants, real estate agents, things like that. And uh, our goal with that was to make American money while living abroad. So we, we ended up living in Costa Rica, Nicaragua for about five months and then uh, came back, uh, realized we were a little too ambitious for the whole kind of surfing and drinking and hanging out lifestyle, uh, lifestyle businesses, whatever you call them. And ended up uh, applying to a bunch of jobs in San Francisco where I'd never been before or lived before. And uh, the, the main one that I wanted was Udemy on an education marketplace Mm-hmm. They were looking for their first biz dev hire. So I'm going to build out the supply side, the sales side of that marketplace. And uh, I flew to San Francisco with a backpack, went on couchsurfing.com, bounced around, um, did seven hours worth of interviews after a couple of homework assignments and um, got the job. So built out, uh, got my, my, I'd say that was like my big break, got into tech, mm-hmm. um, got a chance at a company that had raised about a million dollars in venture funding from 500 startups and a couple others. Um, and I was there through their seed A and B rounds of funding, uh, built out that that sales channel for them, uh, hired a bunch of folks, uh, took them from, it was the eighth employee to somewhere around 60 employees, started to get a reputation for, for being somebody who could uh, build a really hacky sales process at an early stage startup. Uh, you know, our, our mantra is we got to figure out how to generate more revenue using less resources. And we didn't have what you know, the big players in our space had, and, you know, we were able to grow very quickly and other founders and VCs would ask our founders and VCs how we were doing some of it. And, and people would point folks in my direction and that spawned uh, a sales hacker meetup where we would kind of get together with a couple people locally in San Francisco at the time and uh, really kind of just jam on like, what are the cool new sales hacks that you guys are doing? You know, and we had, Folks that, that were in there were, that were doing, you know, phantom JavaScript on scraping sites and, and pulling those into spreadsheets and then having virtual assistants in the Philippines dial down or, or um, email down those lists. We were using early sales engagement platforms like ToutApp, which no longer exists, um, and, and, and those, you know, Filipino VAs to kind of outsource sales development almost completely. And uh, it was stuff that you kind of get away with when you're super early, early stage, scrappy company, just trying to like throw everything at the wall and MVP things that don't really scale, but it was okay. It only needed to get you to, you know, the next point of survival. Uh, you know, the, the goal of raising a seed was to raise an A and the goal of raising an A was to raise a B to get enough, you know, rev- enough money to, to have a real business and start thinking two years, you know, at a time instead of like, we just got to get to the end of this year. And, uh, and so built that reputation, built that business, wrote my first book, Hacking Sales. Um, well, for, first of all, I gotta, I'm getting ahead of myself. Started Sales Hacker from there as a media company, did a blog, meetups, conferences, started doing some angel investing, wrote my first book, Hacking Sales, um, ran that for five years. Uh, one of my first investments was a company called Outreach uh, back in late 2014, early 2015. And um, and ended up coincidentally selling my company to Outreach in, in 2018. Um, I sat down with Manny at his Unleash conference. They just raised a $65 million Series D at a half a billion dollar valuation. Um, I said, "Hey, congrats on the on the on the round. What keeps you up at night?" He said, "Marketing." I said, oh, "Well, we've got a media company with 70,000 B2B salespeople, and you've got best in class sales software. Let's figure this thing out." So. Um, we closed the deal three months later and, um, I came in as VP of marketing, even though that wasn't the, the, the long-term 
um, idea. It was what was needed at the time. Uh, we ended up hiring a CMO a year later. I moved into the sales engagement role, uh, more focused on category creation, evangelism, um, and then you know uh, getting involved in some of our more strategic deals. Uh, also started the GTM fund, which is a fund, an early stage fund with uh, about 117 LPs that are all BPC level sales, marketing, and customer success leaders. And we're investing in seed A and B rounds, you know, really just the best companies we can find that we can support um, and, and think we'll multiply at a nice clip. And uh, yeah, and then I guess the only thing other, other than that worth mentioning is uh, I, I wrote a book on career hacking, which kind of uh, details some advice from my journey, uh, building sales hacker, coming up through Udemy, all the other stuff that I did. Um, I'll have to do a volume two now with my my life advice from my three years at outreach uh, that I'm coming up on here soon. But um, we'll have to put that in there. And then we wrote a book uh, on sales engagement as well. Um, and a really interesting fun fact about my book writing. I wrote Hacking Sales in six days from Bali. I wrote Career Hacking in three days from Bali. And I wrote Sales Engagement in five days from uh, Miami. So I am not the type of person who can set aside an hour a day for a year and do anything. I am I am uh, all getting the breaks when I when I have to do something. So six days, three days. Okay, so you got of course that's that's a nice little fun fact. You know what I mean? That was like I had out with Chris Farley um, for a weekend in Vegas. You know that's like that's like one of those things. Did that no, I have it. I have it. That would be a cool fun fact. Like I actually, cool fun fact. You probably wouldn't be alive. I don't know. That would be a <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that's, true. Call you a too fun of a fact. Yeah, too, exactly. I believe it or not, and I don't have it hanging up yet because my wife's like, "No, I gotta hate it in a certain way." I literally have a picture of like Tommy Boy and Richard where he's like lighting the car on fire, and um, and anyways, <laughs> basically, I'm gonna have it. It's like a painting though. It's like your it's like your elephant painting of that. So, anyways, oh cool. So I just got a, a notice that they're having an issue on LinkedIn's end with this. So, anyways. Um, so we're still streaming, but they're having some issues on LinkedIn, apparently. Um, so anyways, right right as you're about to get into the, you know, the six-day, three-day writing books. So how do you do that, man? How do you make that a reality? Because I'm, I'm just curious now, even though I took us down the wrong path, the Chris Farley thing. Yeah. Um, so my first book, Hacking Sales, I wanted to make it an ebook. I didn't know anything about writing books at the time. And uh, there was like so much new sales technology coming out. I wanted to profile it all. And I had this, this like skeleton built out of like 12 different chapters, 12 different buckets of technology. And I sent out a type form to like 70 vendors that would mm-hmm. fit their technology would fit in those buckets. And um, I said, Hey, can you fill this out for me? It's like, tell me a little bit about your company. Tell me about like a customer use case, et cetera, et cetera. I got about 50 of those back. Um, which is it's stupid for the other 20. I don't know why they wouldn't have filled it out. But anyway, got about 50 of those back. And um, I was like, all right, I got some content. I can like thread through here. This will help me bucket some stuff out. Um, I got to, I got to like actually talk about my process and thread it all together still. And, um, and I knew I had like a month in Bali coming up. So I was like, all right, I'll take as much time as I need set aside and just like crank on this thing. And I had uh, a week in Gili Trawangan, which is this like tiny Island. I think I stayed at a place called Villa de Luz or something like that. 
And uh, I sat by the pool or the beach for 16 hours a day for six days and just cranked this thing out. And next thing I know, I was at 27,000 words, um, which, you know, is more than enough for a book. Came home and went on Upwork, which, you know, at the time was Odesk. Found a basic editor who can, like, help me compile the book and, and do some, you know, grammar copy edit stuff. And uh, through editing, added, I don't know, three or 4,000 more words. And then uh, published it, self-published it on Amazon. Sent it out to my sales hacker newsletter list and, and sold a bunch of copies to it. And then uh, after the first two months, Wiley came knocking and they said, hey, we want to buy the rights to it. Uh, I said no. And then they came back 10 months later and uh, I said yes because I had already saturated. I mean, I'd already sent it out to everybody I could send it out to. So like, I already saturated my network. And then it became a published, published author. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then career hacking was interesting because in 2017, LinkedIn had this algorithm craziness going on where you can like post some career stuff and get like a million views and 10,000 likes pretty easily. So I started taking advantage of that because I'd already had like a follower thing going on. And um, every time I'd post uh, like 24 hours later or 48 hours later, I'd copy and paste the post into a Google doc with the stats. Mm-hmm. Thought nothing of it. I just wanted to see what was resonating. What wasn't like, might as well keep track of it. And, uh, and next thing you know, I was at 13,000 words and it was all like really good stuff that people were resonating with because I had the evidence of it. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll polish this thing up, figure out how to break it out, figure out what needs, you know, what else needs to be covered, what else needed threading through and uh, turn this into a book. So uh, did that. And that, that took about three days and did this, did the same thing, came home, found the a, a, uh, editor and then, Next thing you know, it's a self-published book, and that one I'm never gonna, never gonna do the the publisher route on. Keep no, that one. It's your baby. You're not giving up that one. Yeah, it's my it's my 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 life. Uh, <laughs> not, less of a less of a career one, more of a life one. So keep that. No, that's cool. I mean, I, I love that man. You you did both. I mean, you crowd. It sounds like you kind of crowdsourced the first one, just in terms of the concepts, and then you like, like you said weaved your process in, which I'd love to hear what that is. And then the second one, you just kind of build it out strategically with posts. I, I think that's awesome, man. So great way to yeah. do it, obviously, very effectively. So um, with your process, you said, like, you had to integrate that into the the, the sales tech. What What is your kind of process when you're looking at that? <laughs> Look at Jake Dunlap. He just makes it sound so easy. He Jake's, Jake's giving you a hard time. He does make it sound so easy, doesn't he, Jake? It does sound so easy. He's probably LinkedIn from the golf course right now. <laughs> and I know he's golfing in either right now or he's in the car on the way there or he's going to be there in an hour because that's, that's a thing. Um, anyway, Jake messed me up. What was the question? I was talking about you said you just integrated your process in there, like, right? Like, he's, yeah. he's giving you a crying emoji on there so you can't see the chat. Yeah. Um, it's giving you a hard time. So, yeah, what was your process that you integrated? And Jake said it's in 20 minutes, which is why he's laughing. Okay. Good, good, good uh, stuff. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I might I might end up meeting up with him and, and Kevin afterwards. Not there you go. So the process for all the books was compile as much information as I could beforehand from uh, so on like hacking sales and sales engagement from credible sources. So hacking sales, I got you know those 50 uh, vendors to fill out the type form for me mm-hmm. for career hacking. I wrote that book in, in like 
bite-sized LinkedIn posts before I went and like put it together in three days. And then uh, sales engagement, I think we had like 25 different contributors that were customers of outreach that used outreach in a really interesting way. And we said, Hey, this would be, you know, like you'd be great to be involved in this book. Um, it's going to be a published book through Wiley. Like it's a pretty prestigious thing to be involved in. You know, would you want to write like 500 to a thousand words about how you do this part of the process? Mm-hmm. And then we're able to take that. And, and I think it makes for a more credible book as well. Cause it's not just us talking about our own stuff. It's like somebody with a VP title from Adobe and somebody with a VP title from uh, SAP or somebody from a VP title from, you know, another, um, you know, really credible company or even folks like Jake who are uh, consultants in the space or trainers in the space or people who run firms that like live and breathe this stuff and are, are experts. So um, yeah, I, I think like if you're writing a book on a, a topic like this or a subject matter like this, it's, it's great to go in and get, get your, your peers who are experts to, to um, help you out because one, it's, it makes it easier for you, but two, um, it adds a ton of credibility. Oh yeah. I love it, man. Well, let's shift gears. Cause I, I think that's fascinating. Um, however, kind of like what I told you, I reached out, put a poll out. I'm like, Hey, what, what are good questions to ask Max? And one of the, the top ones was, was scaling startups. And, and, you know, we talked a little bit before is like, Hey, what and I was, I was thinking about this is like, you know, what would you say are like three systems that you would grow, whether it be sales or marketing to like scale a startup or scale a business that's, you know, kind of small and midsize. Uh, systems. Um, I think the process is figuring out what your ideal customer looks like and then going out and finding where all those people live and getting them, you know, into your funnel in, in some way, shape or form, whether it's an outbound strategy or driving them to your site and then nailing the messaging. So it's like almost like a two-step process like that. So if you're super early stage, then you're trying to figure out your ICP. Maybe you can look at complementary vendors. Maybe you look at competitors. But you can kind of start to figure out, like, all right, who should we be targeting? Um, as you got a couple customers, as you start evolving uh, from there, um, then, it's, then it's like, where do these people live? Where can I go find? So like Airbnb was a great example of this, like, our ICP is people who are renting out their houses. Where can I go find that? Well, let's go to Craigslist and scrape Craigslist. If mm-hmm. Craigslist, you know, before Airbnb, that's where you went to go see short-term sublets, short-term, you know, rentals. And then from there, you know, what's the message? All right, so you're on it. You you got a person on Craigslist. You know that they might be interested in your service that is called Airbnb, and they never heard of it before. It's super early stages of, of Airbnb. What are you saying to this person that's going to make you sound credible that they would want to like list their house on your platform and yep. take money and all that other kind of stuff? So like that's that's the, those are the three most important things in any sales process, really. Because um, then like after that, then you can run a scalable or non-scalable process. Like you can do, you know, there's a lot of spray and pray stuff that's not scalable. Um, you know, you can the one-to-one stuff you can scale it in any different way you want to well what do you let me let me take it a step further so because I, I mean I, I believe you know i agree with all those core concepts totally makes sense and but you mentioned like okay for that sales engagement book right there's 25 different companies like what's 
because those are that's like the core framework that you talked about. So like how to take it like a couple levels deeper in terms of like what separates the exceptional companies that do that versus the companies that kind of suck at it, right? Is there is there something that you're seeing, whether it be from leadership, tech, um, people, combination of everything, or what do you what do you think is like kind of the big domino when it comes to that? Well, I mean, I think uh, I think most companies aren't really rigorous, or, or the ones that are bad at it aren't really rigorous about understanding their ICP. So it's still like kind of soupy or cloudy. They don't refine it. They like, and then they start the rest of the process before really clarifying that. I think then there's the next step of it, which is like going out and, and, and building those lists. You want to make sure you have all of your target accounts lined up. If you've got something that's like ready to sell, then that would be a, a simple thing to do. I think most people get this, this step right. I don't think this is the area where like you see a lot of collapse, but then the messaging part, is, is bad and that part like never get that part never gets better unless you have a system of action uh, like an outreach that helps refine over time and I think there's also a lot of customer development that that comes into play here and it's interesting to see companies go to market uh, you know over the past 10 years and um, some will do a spray and pray but they haven't figured out the messaging yet it's like all right well you're just like wasting a bunch of first touches why don't you take a, a step back? And like really talk to your customers, really understand what like what you need to be saying to the different types of customers you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Go a little slower and then pour gas on the fire once, you know, it's lit. You know, it's like pouring gas on a fire is not lit yet. It's like, well, you're wasting your gas. You're wasting your, your fuel. And I've seen that a, a bunch of times. And I've seen like companies where what I'll what I say, like what I what I see a lot is a company hasn't raised yet or like raised a seed, but like really needs an A to, to, to be around for a long time. Like the seed wasn't enough money. They'll go really hard on trying to get traction to show growth to get the money. And then once the money is in, then they can take a step back and like refine it. And I think that's, that's right. That's fine. It's fine. If you do that, What's, what I find is wrong is when, they continue to do that after they get the money or they have the money and they continue to do that. It's like, what are you doing that for? Like you're like, there's no real reason that you need to get some like rocket ship traction right now when you can go back and like rebuild the foundation and make sure that you're building on a solid foundation and then you turn the rocket boosters on. So I think there's, we're just living in this culture of, you know, everybody wants to be a billion dollar company tomorrow. It's like, okay, well, I don't know if it's going to sink you or what, you know, in the short, long term. Yeah. I, no, I mean, I think that's, that's a great perspective. And I see that all the time, man, with um, companies, they just think if they get funding, it's going to solve everything. Yeah. And they have like, no, no sales process in place. They have, I mean, they just, they created something and they're like, if I just get money, it's going to solve everything, you know, yeah. I'll just buy, buy my way out of it. So, I mean, have you, you see, I mean, you've invested in a ton of companies. Would you say that that's a common thought pattern or, um, it depends, kind of. Yeah, I'd say it's, I've seen that as a pattern, um, and I think like you know the advice I get is pretty, um, pretty similar every time I see it. You know, it's like, hey, this is you've you got the money in the bank. Slow down. Let's build this thing for the long term. You, you know, it's one of those things where like you want to get some funding so that you can get some runway. But the first funding you get isn't a ton of runway. So then you want to get more funding so you get some more runway so you could actually be around a year from now. 
And then at a certain point, it's like, okay, you got enough money where you're probably going to be around for the next two years. Like you should start playing a two year, like two or three year game. Not, you know, this like, Hey, we got to make it through this quarter type thing. Cause like eventually that, that, that scales out and, uh, you know, stops working. So it's like a funding Ponzi scheme, if you will. We're just trying to get to the next yeah. one. Yeah. We're just trying to get to the next level, but you know, that's how, that's how it is. Sorry, I don't know why there's so many uh, sirens going by. I'm just, I'm just gonna play it through it, man. What? So, yeah, um, I'm just, I'm in my house, man. And Jake's saying, yeah, find exactly something, find something that works first, then worry about scaling versus scaling, then, <laughs> then try and uh, find something that works. So spot on, Jake. So when, when you're saying with the lead list, like you know, I guess what? what do you, I, there's so many tools out in the market. I mean, what what do you see as some of the most effective tools when it comes to like? So you nail your ICP, you got awesome, you got an awesome understanding of like who your exact targets are. You know, what's, what's the best resources you use for lead lists? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're probably using a couple different types of resources. So, you know, one type of resource would be like, all right, well, where are you going to find your ICP? Like, could you build lists of those folks, um, like those accounts that you want to go after? And then there's contact info. Uh, so secondary to the actual account or the company you want to go after, but um, you know, who at the company are you contacting and how do you get the information for them to, to contact them? So um, at Outreach, we use Zoom info uh, on the sales side, Clearbit on the marketing side. I think we have Lead IQ a little bit. We have a little bit of Seamless AI. And I think, um, I think the UK, we use like something called uh, uh, Bluehurst or something like that. But it's one of the beautiful things about data uh, is, you know, it's not like our business where you're just going to use outreach. You can use a couple of different ones for, you know, different types of data that you need. So, you know, if we go into new markets, well, we might say, okay, we need a new data source that's, you know, specializes in pharma or something like that. Or if we go to um, APAC or ANZ or, or JPAC, whatnot, we might say, oh, well, we need a new we need a new data provider that's going to give us data for, you know, companies in this region. So um, I think it's really just about doing your research on, on understanding what your ICP is and then going out and finding these, these databases that can supply you with that, that contact info. Um, when we were super early at, at outreach, um, we had like mechanical Turk, like virtual assistants in the Philippines, scraping sites and um, porting that info into our, into our database you know, the other thing that was that was a little wonkier about that business, we were we were reaching out to businesses and individuals. Um, whereas I think most people listening to this are probably just reaching out to businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might not have that, that issue. They might be able to just go straight to the databases. And, and yeah, so I think that's great. Like, I mean, that, that's great. And say that's just some examples of some great tools. Um, I've used some of those before, too, and have clients that use them. I guess like on the outbound side, like that's, it's kind of funny because you got, you got two sides of the house, right? You got the folks that are like, they're on their platform. They're like, everything needs to be inbound. Just put good content and they will come. Right. (laughs) Which, which isn't, you know, there's, there's a strategy involved with that. Right. However, it seems like it's more of a long game. Um, Unless you're just like a ninja copywriter, content producer, all that stuff. And then you got the outbound, which is more built from what I've seen for speed. Would you say that, like, if, if you're, because I, I, I got some feedback on this from some folks, but what, what would you say in terms of, like, hitting that outbound part, like, what's the most top three critical things to make that successful? 
you said messaging and, and nailing your list, right? We got that, right? But what else? What else just makes it a home run across like all the top customers that you've seen and worked with um, versus the ones that don't? You know, what are the ones that are executing and performing highly at? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sitting in, in seat at Outreach and watching our customers um, and watching, you know, folks that weren't using Outreach and then started using Outreach. I can say that you know, having a platform like Outreach obviously is 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 going to take you further than than anything else. I think if like you use nothing for automation for outbound, you're kind of in the Stone Ages. You know, it'd be like neglecting email and phone. Like if you're just doing those one off, uh, that that's a pretty tough place to be. I think if you use any sales engagement platform, you get levels of automation. Um, your team is going to be better in six months than they are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get automation, you get workflow, it's all well and good. I think if you use the difference between outreach and, and any other platform is with any other platform, I think at, you know after six months, you're basically plateau. You've got the levels of automation, you got the workflows, and, and you're good. You're not really going to get much better than that. I think outreach is the only one because of sentiment and uh, and um, uh, attribution and the way that we kind of do our, our reporting. We allow you to understand like what's actually working and double down on what's working. Uh, so if you're an organization that is uh, sending sequences and you're judging the success of them based off reply rates, then you're not you're missing a ton of information. If you're um, Judging it off of, you know, in outreach, uh, off of attribution, off of meetings booked, and on, you're able to use sentiment to understand what those replies actually are, then after six months, you're better. 12 months, you're better. 18 months, you're better because it actually ends up being some sort of flywheel. So your workflows provide data. Data gives you insights. The insights allow you to optimize those workflows over time. So, for example, if you're sending sequences and you don't have good enough reporting and good enough data and you're just going off reply rates, you could say, Oh wow, I'm getting a 40% reply rate. I'm going to double down on the sequence. But if you're using outreach and you have sentiment, then you'll be able to see that those replies are all unsubscribed, taking off your list and no thanks. So you're doubling down on something that's not working, but you think it is directional, but it's not actually accurate. So I think, you know, for us, um, or for what I've seen, if you're using nothing, using any level of automation is going to make you going to make it better. I think if you want to keep getting better over time, you have to use a platform that's going to give you um, sentiment and, and attribution, which, you know, we're the only one that does right now. And I think will for a while. Um, so I don't know, maybe I'm biased, but no, it's a great point, man. You definitely got to have the context to it. You can't just have the, the high level. And so I, I think that's amazing. What have you seen like other sales tech stacked on top of something like outreach that you think works exceptional? Um, I'd love to hear your take on that. And then any kind of gaps you see in the market? Gaps that I see in the market in terms of technology? Well, like let's say sales tech, man. So you yeah. got outreach. What other things that they complement that really well, like after the fact? So you got you got your outbound engine going, then what? Right. And let's yeah. let's assume you got the basics, you got your CRM down. Um you're doing other things like where would you take it from there? And then where do you see our, like in terms of gaps in the market with sales tech that, that you see? Cause I know you invest in a lot of different companies. So it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting time because there's not a lot of gaps in the market. There's like way more sales tech than we probably ever need. 
Um, you know, so there's, there's like your tier one stuff, uh, which is your system of record or historically your tier one stuff, which is your system record, which is your CRM. Um, then there's, then there's your, your account and contact level data. So that's like zoom info, your data vendors, whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, then I, then like in some cases, I think you can put LinkedIn in there, like LinkedIn sales solutions, you know, more contextual data. Um, and then I think like a sales engagement platform is probably in, in squarely in tier one these days. It's their system of action. So if you look at the food pyramid, you got your system of record on the bottom of your system of action. And in between your system of record and your system of action, maybe there's, there's like that data layer. Then after that, you start to get into like the next tier of stuff that's kind of ends up being like more nice to have, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, super impactful, super powerful, but more, more nice to have. And that's where you end up finding, I think like conversational intelligence, um, you know, uh, re reporting specific companies or forecasting companies, uh, chat solutions. What else falls in that bucket? Uh, like lead routing, meeting software, that kind of stuff. And then you start to kind of cascade down a little further into like tier three, tier four type stuff, which is like the very nice to have. Um, and I think that's reflected in the, in the growth of the companies that you see out there that are, you, know, you see hyper growth companies and they're more of a higher priority. If you have a hundred jelly beans in a jar and Salesforce takes 60 and your data vendor takes 20 and there's 20 left and then, you know, sales engagement takes 10 and let's say LinkedIn takes five, you got five left. So like, you're, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to go very far. And some organizations like that's all they have room for. In other organizations that have bigger sales budgets, you know, maybe they'll they'll plug in a conversational intelligence. Maybe they'll plug in forecasting. Maybe they'll plug in uh, like a ambition or hoopla or level eleven set sail type stuff, which is um, you know uh, leaderboards and things like that for your reps. Um, so it's really up to the you know the sales leaders on what they prioritize there. Do you think? Uh, let me ask you this, like, because I, I think that's that's a you know, that's a great way to kind of like mentally frame it out with the food pyramid. <laughs> Not like the old school food pyramid where it was like all carbs and like no fat. You know what I mean? Like they used to have when we were growing up. <laughs> and milk. Yeah. yeah. Just tons of okay. wheat and milk. No fat. Fat's bad, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm going down the train here. So would you say like, so obviously you got, you got your CRM like Salesforce. And you, would you say that you think that, outreach has been so successful or fits in that higher tier or sales engagement, if you will, just because it directly and, and basically creates revenue and it's fast. I mean, would you say like those are the two variables that people look at in terms of that, that spending model or what would you say to that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an ROI game probably at that point. So like, what are the things that are going to generate the most ROI for us? And everybody can have an ROI conversation. Like you could be super low on that priority list and find a way to have an ROI conversation. Like you could be, um, I don't know what I would consider the lowest thing on those lists, but you know, the, the gamification software is probably in the, you know, tier three, tier four, which is, I wouldn't say at the end, but in the middle. And even that type of stuff is, yeah, it's, you know, we don't have budget for this right now, but if your reps are competing against each other, they're going to perform better because they're going to be competitive and it builds culture and morale. And then your reps are going to stay longer and, you know, yeah. they're going to sell more. And it's like, you can make an argument for everything that's, that's 
you know, how I, but like, again, with the jelly beans, like, all right, well, I got, I can spend the money on this or this. That's it. That's all I got. Which yeah. one is going to be, which one do I know is going to generate more revenue for us? And, uh, and then I think like, you know, the companies that are doing really well or have extra cash that so I get to do everything. Like that's great. Go work for those companies. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. We get full stack, everything. That's great. Hey, look, you can make a ton of money. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Well, we're just about up on time. Um, and it was, it was great. We, we covered a lot of things that I, I didn't think we were going to get into the books that much, but you, you talked about writing them in days. So you piqued my interest there. And then uh, you hit on a lot of other areas, man, which were basic, but I love how you, how you dug down. So, um, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about you, more about outreach? Um, and how can they get in touch with you if they need to? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn is the best place to go and follow me. Uh, so you're probably on here already. Um, I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, outreach.io, saleshacker.com, uh, gtmfund.com. So that's go to market GTM. Um, yeah, that's, that's me. That's where I am. Uh, we just launched, uh, some new products at outreach uh, success plans and Kaya, which is our conversation uh, intelligence assistant that does uh, real time coaching on top of our core sales engagement platform. So fun stuff, fun times. Uh, so check that out. Nice fam. Well, it was a real pleasure having you on and um, you know, well, I look forward to seeing you again soon and uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.